You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career. Christian Watson, you can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Just want to say thanks to all the emails. You guys have been crushing it, uh, providing content, uh, topics to to, uh, to speak on, all those things. You guys are absolutely awesome. Today, we're going to hit on some uh, several different off-season topics here you know of course not one episode is going to come through without mentioning Aaron Rodgers because we know it's the talk of the town right now we've got another uh, report coming out from Adam Schefter it seems like nothing but I'm going to cover it just to kind of keep you guys informed because you never know when this thing could blow up into something significant Uh, to me I don't think there's any extra information it is funny how some of the tweets were crafted um, because it, it made it sound as if wow this is a huge huge breaking news right that that the next steps being taken for the trade. And then when you dig into the original source, to the best of my knowledge, it was really nothing. But we're going to start the show off with, uh, with a little look back um, down memory lane from this past season as on Packers.com and the Packers YouTube page, they released a video called Award Season. And let's hit on this and just talk about Keyshawn Nixon for a minute. But first, let's, uh, let's watch this video or, or listen to the audio, I should say. Text the coaches this morning, like, feel like a Ferrari. He's like, huh? So I feel like a Ferrari. I came here, ran around, I'm like, ready to go. So I'm playing. Here comes Dixon to the five. Left hash mark 10, 15. Hit the hole hard. <laughs> felt like the open sea, I just ran through it. And I knew I just had one person to beat. And then once I passed the kicker, it's party time. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's Secretariat at the Belmont. Down the slips they come. No one will catch him. It is a touchdown. Congratulations to Keyshawn Nixon on being named to the PFWA's All-NFL team. The All-Pro recorded a league-best six games with at least 100 kickoff return yards, the most in a season by a Packer in 51 years. He gets by the kicker, down the left side. Nixon extending, 40, 30. It's a race down the stretch. He cuts it back inside the 10. Keyshawn Nixon. You could tell a return man who just has a feel for it. When you do it regularly, it's not luck. In all 11 games he ran out a kick, Nixon ripped off at least one 20-plus yard return, becoming the first green and gold return man to eclipse 1,000 yards since 2008, the year Aaron Rodgers became the starter. He brings an extra type of juice to our football team. And you can win with guys like that, guys that care about it, guys that are tough, and guys that make big-time plays. He's the type of player I wish I'd had over the course of my career because I feel real good going to battle with a guy like that. He's got a dog mentality. It's infectious. He's got great energy. He prepares the right way. He's he's just a heck of a competitor and certainly glad that he's on our team. Love it, man. Keyshawn Nixon, he is, he's a dog. He is one of those guys that um, you guys know we've talked <clears throat> this offseason and uh, Justin and I kind of breaking down the upcoming free agents, uh, the players on the Packers roster that are set to hit free agency. He's in that top tier. And just to kind of recap that top tier of players that we feel like the Packers should really focus on re-signing this coming year from their own roster, Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford, Mason Crosby, and Randall Cobb were the four that come to mind for me, top tier. Second tier was Mercedes Lewis, Josh Nijman, and Jaron Reed. And then, of course, at you know only at the right price was Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon, meaning real friendly deals. Yes, we would take Alan Lazard and Bob Tunyon back, absolutely. Um you know, kind of that middle tier with Mercedes uh, Lewis, Yash Nijman, and Jaron Reed, you might want to give them what the market warrants because they could play a role moving forward next year. 
Um, and then, of course, that top tier, Keyshawn Nixon, man, you, you, you may have to overpay, but you want to keep him in Green Bay. Guys, we're talking about historical type numbers. Now, he could come out next year and flop and, and prove that that first year was just – he's definitely not going to catch people off guard next year. And I think there was a certain element to that. But with that being said, the numbers he put up, the production he had, it's historic. You know, he may come back next year and take a, a minor setback. But like I said during the season, a punt returner that doesn't muff the punt is huge to me. How many games did we lose last year and the year before? I should say the year before. I say last year as if it was the season that just wrapped up, but the year before. Because – and even early in the season last year with Amari, just dropping dropping punts, muffing them, fumbling the ball. You know, I got to the point where I was like, look, just don't turn the ball over. Secure the possession and the fact that they just turned the ball over by punting, and let's get the offense on the field. Keyshawn went way above and beyond that. So I think if you got to overpay, overpay a little bit for Keyshawn, it'd be worth it. Plus, you've got someone who can come in and play a little DB for you. He can play on uh, on kickoff team coverage and stuff if you need him to. He can be kind of that special teams ace. Guys, some of the best football teams in the history of the league were built off the backbone of having strong special teams and, and paying for those special teams aces. New England for years with Matthew Slater, right? Um, uh, another one was Julian Edelman for a long time before he became that that slot receiver, that go-to receiver for Brady. He was a special teams ace. Here even recently with Gunnar Oshevsky was someone who's a staple. They lose him. The special teams take a minor step back, but what did they do? They drafted a young DB and completely uh, revamped that special teams for the Patriots. Like the, These things are important. And it's something that that a legendary coach like Belichick and front office guy like Belichick put a lot of stock in. We cannot lose sight of that. You can't just have one one year and go, okay, yeah, we fixed that. Well, now we can just replace him with him and we can patch it together. No, secure that guy. That's who you want returning kicks, right? Rudy Ford can be a special teams contributor if he does not play starting safety. What do I mean by that? If you re-sign Rudy Ford, right, and you get him at a discounted price, which I don't think he's going to go out and break the market, right? Let's say you you match his best offer, and that's what I mean by top-tier players. You're willing to match the market's offer. Then he comes back, and you've got a starting caliber safety with the way he played last year. I mean, there was times that he graded out of the lead. I think he finished the year at 77, one of our high, one of if not our highest uh, graded players that were healthy at the end of the year. I think he was top three highest defensive players, according to uh, PFF, right? You, you re-sign him, you've got a solid anchor there at safety, and worst case, I say worst case scenario, best case scenario, really, you go out and sign a big name free agent at safety, right? And then you draft one early in the first or second round that's like, wow, he's better than Rudy Ford. Then you've got Rudy Ford as a special teams ace as well. Now your special teams are secure, and you also protected yourself in that backup safety row. If we know in time safeties get banged up, it's just it's a it's a very physically demanding. To me, the safety position is much like the running back position. They've got to be willing to turn it up to top speed in the open field, but also be willing to hit in the hole, right, and play there within the pit. Like that you've got to have someone who's durable and you're going to you're going to have people that are banged up and injured. How cool would it be? And that's the goal with the offseason is to take a negative on the team and turn it into a positive. The, the biggest negative on our defense last year, hands down, nobody would argue with the fact. Everybody kind of took a step back, but safety was the weakest spot. It took us halfway through the season to settle in with Rudy Ford, and we kind of stabilized that, putting Savage in the slot. How about you take that negative and completely flip it and turn it into a positive? That could be huge for this defense. It really, really could. So um, I think that Rudy Ford is is right up there. And, of course, Mason, one of the most accurate kickers under 50 yards in the entire National Football League. Um, you got to get him back. And I think Randall Cobb was very under underappreciated. Of course, if Aaron retires, Randall won't be back. I think we would all agree with that. If Aaron is traded, Randall wouldn't be back. It breaks my heart to say that because I love Randall Cobb. He's one of my favorite players, and I think he'll go down in the uh, Packers Hall of Fame, especially with you know where he's climbing on the uh, the uh, the Packers leaderboard as far as receptions, receiving yards, all that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I see that top tier. Now, why do I bring that up with Keyshawn Nixon? First of all, I want to share that video with you. I thought that was really cool. Again, that's from Packers.com and their YouTube page, obviously. Wes Hodkowitz, who does the Packers podcast, uh, official podcast, he was the one narrating part of that video. Um, so go check that out if you guys want to watch the actual video aspect. But the reason I bring that up is because Keyshawn Nixon is, is absolutely huge in resigning, and I think one of the dominoes that need to fall is Rich Passaccia. What do I mean by that? 
You guys know that Rich Passaccia interviewed for the Indianapolis Colts job. Rich Passaccia is our special teams coordinator who came in and literally immediately turned this special teams around. All right. Now, if it was his decision to stick with Amari Rodgers, I put that on him. But I kind of get the vibe that he was forced to play Amari Rodgers there because he was a third round pick. And, it, you know, the Packers just held on to him a, a little too long. He cost us games. That's not a knock against Amari. I think he might still be able to be a solid slot receiver. I just don't think the team put him in a position to be successful when it comes to actually returning kicks. Anybody could see he was not good at doing that on punt or kickoff. Right. But Rich Passaccia makes the move to Keyshawn Nixon. Obviously, he comes out completely, turns special teams into a positive. The other special teams aspects of the Green Bay Packers stabilize really well. You bring in Pat O'Donnell, the holding issues get fixed. Uh, Jack Coco, long snapping. The the uh, the uh, inaccurate snaps kind of got minimized last year. I think that was a combination of them going with the right personnel, but also Rich Passaccia and his expertise. Now, when he interviewed for Indianapolis, the first thing I thought was, man, that's a long shot that a special teams coordinator will get hired as a head coach, right? Um, but you've got to keep in mind, who are we talking about? The only team he's interviewed with is the Indianapolis Colts. Now, who's the owner of the Indianapolis Colts? Who makes that decision? It's Jim Irsay. Jim Irsay is one of the strangest human beings you'll ever meet. From the best of my knowledge, He's one of the most generous, too. He gives a lot to, you know, does a lot of donating, does a lot of charity stuff. He's one of the not anybody who's in his inner circle or who has worked for him. They have nothing but good things to say about Ursay. Now, you could talk about his past. He's got kind of a sketchy past with with drug addiction and things like that. I think people make mistakes. I don't hold that against them, especially if they're clean now. Like, I mean, you turn your life around. But he brought in Jeff Saturday and got completely, you know, criticized for it, right? With Jeff Saturday coming in as that interim head coach. He's the type of guy that would do strange things. I would not put it out of the realm of possibility with Basaccia getting hired in Indy. Now, do I think he's the top choice? I don't. However, Tom Pelissero tweeted this morning, the Colts will host former Raiders interim uh, head coach Rich Basaccia on Monday for a second interview for their head coaching job, part of an expansive search that likely will continue with additional interviews this week per sources. So he has made it through the first wave. That's not good news for us Packer fans. <laughs> I did not expect him to make it to the second interview. Here we are. He's going into the second interview. So fingers crossed that, and I don't mean, I don't wish ill will on Rich. Don't get me wrong. But man, I hope he doesn't get that job. And I don't think the Packers can block it. I mean, there's no way they can block it if he's hired as head coach. Now, if they try to, if they try to hire him, let's say as um, assistant coach, you know, hey, we want you to be our special teams coordinator, but we're going to promote you to assistant coach too, pay raise. I don't think Rich Passaccia holds the assistant coach title in Green Bay. I probably should have checked that, but I'm not going to take the time to look it up here while we're live recording. There may be a way if they try to bring him in and say, we want you as our assistant coach, that might be considered a promotion, even though he's still special teams coordinator. Maybe the Packers could match that and make that a lateral move. Therefore, if they promote him to assistant coach, he would stay as a special teams coordinator in Green Bay. But again, this we're talking about head coach. So I still don't think he gets the job, but it sucks that he made it to the second interview. Why do I mention that? Keyshawn Nixon is a free agent, right? If Rich Passaccia gets the head coaching job in Indy before free agency starts, Keyshawn Nixon doesn't have a deal in place with the Packers. I could see him leaning towards going to play for Rich Passaccia in Indy, meaning if they offer even a little less money and he wants to go with Rich, we may lose him. You see how those dominoes start to play off of each other, right? So um, let's all hit our knees tonight and hope that Rich Passaccia stays in Green Bay, therefore giving us the best shot to re-sign Keyshawn Nixon, <laughs> and we move forward with him again. Keyshawn Nixon, definitely the top priority for me. Of all these players, what I mean by top priority in that top tier of Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford, Mason Crosby, Randall Cobb, of all four of those players, if you say, Clayton, you've got to choose one to re-sign, only one. Hands down, it's Keyshawn Nixon. Hands down. Second would be Rudy Ford. Third would be Mason Crosby. Fourth would be Randall Cobb. That's just me personally. So that's how that sits. Keep your eyes out on that second interview that should be happening. I think they said on Monday. So we should get news by the end of the day Monday. Were there other second interviews? Are there other second interviews, um, you know, scheduled? Because if he goes in and he crushes this second interview and they got other schedule and they go, you know what? This is our guy. We'll probably hear about it by Tuesday morning, maybe even Monday evening. So um, that's typically how the coaching hires happen. If if someone's listening to my voice, shaking your head, going, "No, nah, I don't, I don't agree with that." Look what just happened with Frank Reich in Carolina. Nobody thought he was the darling of this offseason coaching carousel, right? And what happened? He goes out, gets the interview, bam, nails it. 
he's hired as the head coach and everybody's going, wait, what? You're not going to look at anybody else? Sometimes those things happen because they impress so much in those interviewing process. So um, just keep an eye on that. And, again, he's our top tier to re-sign. I think Rich Passaccia plays a huge role in that. Let's move on to other news. Matt Schneiman actually tweeted out. Um, he said Packers need a new DB coach and defensive passing game coordinator. And this came from Mike Garofolo. He, he had quote tweeted that uh, Matt Schneiman did. Mike Garofolo said the Falcons are working on a deal with veteran defensive coach Jerry Gray to join uh, new coordinator Ryan Nelson. Sources say Gray, who has been with the Packers the past three seasons as DB's coach slash pass game coordinator, coach with Arthur Smith in Washington from 2007 to 2008. Now, here's the part that kind of catches me off guard. It says he would join new coordinator Ryan Nielsen. Does that mean they're co-coordinators? You know what I mean? Does that mean that Jerry Gray would be assistant coach? Because that seems like a lateral move. If he's not going to be the coordinator, if he's joining a coordinator, right, and he joins the staff, that means it's a lateral move. That means one of two things are hap- have happened. Either he's going to get an assistant coach, a head coaching job, or a passing game coordinator promotion somehow, maybe a co-coordinator where that's a, a promotion and not a lateral move, or the Packers just told him you're free to go wherever you want because they can do that. They can waive that. You know, like San Francisco had the opportunity to allow Michael LaFleur to join his brother's staff in Green Bay, and San Francisco actually blocked that lateral move, right? They could have allowed it, but they blocked it, if that makes sense. So that's something to keep an eye on. It sounds like Jerry Gray is leaving. Now, what does that mean to me? You know, Jerry Gray got a lot of hype, guys, coming in as the coordinator. He's been here for three seasons, right? We know that DB room took a step back last year. Why did it take a step back? You know, anybody who's not living under a rock would say that the majority of the fan base thought it was Joe Barry, right? Keep in mind, every time we complained about DBs playing off the ball, which I got to be honest with you, that wasn't my complaint. You guys see me get crucified on Twitter for it. I would see those situations. I'm going, I'm sorry. The defensive coaches did not tell that defender, hey, look, allow them to get that first down. Just don't get beat deep. I'm sorry. I think it was situational awareness the majority of the time. There may be sometimes that played a, played a role, but the majority of the time, I really, really feel like that was player error. How do I know that? Because I seen them blow coverage after coverage after coverage this year, and I would look at it and go, "That's not the defensive coordinator's fault. He blew his coverage. There's no play design that he's supposed to jump that underneath route and allow the number two to go straight over his head, knowing it's his deep responsibility. That's on Ja. That's on Rasul. Whoever it was on. I did not see." bad coaching from a X's and O's schematic standpoint. As a matter of fact, we highlighted several times on Chalk Talk where Joe Barry set up a beautiful scheme and put themselves in a position to 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 dominate certain plays, right? But what I seen was from time to time, what showed up on tape to me more often than not were players blowing assignments. So with that being said, if Jerry Gray was your passing game coordinator, let's assume that I'm wrong and all of the Joe Barry hate was warranted and they shouldn't have been playing that far off. That wasn't Joe Barry saying to do that. That's your passing game coordinator. Now, Joe Barry might have had say in it behind the scenes setting up the game plan, but if you truly believe that, Jerry Gray is at least half, you know, 50% responsible for that mistake. Now, the DB room taking a step back. Eric Stokes took a step back before he got injured. A lot of people forget that. You know, people are going, oh, we get a healthy Eric Stokes back next year. We're going to be great. Guys, he had a bad year. You know, Savage had a bad year the last two years. Really. I think it might have been three years. I th- maybe it was – Maybe it was. A, I can't remember if it was rookie year or his second year that, that Savage flashed. There was one of those three years that he flashed, right, um, or one of those four years that he flashed, but only one. Regardless, the last two seasons he's been bad. Jerry Gray's working with the DBs. Now, you hire a safety coach. If you're going to pass all the responsibility off to him, Jerry Gray's still the passing game coordinator. So he's got to, he's got to be able to, to front some of that. He's got to be able to absorb some of that heat, like – what I'm getting at is maybe Jerry Gray ain't as great a coach as we thought he was, right? I'm not just saying that because it looks like he's leaving. Obviously, he's getting a job somewhere for some reason, but the fact that this looks like a lateral move tells me that maybe behind the scenes, rather than Jerry Gray got fired, they gave him the opportunity to go out and seek work. It kind of feels like that. It was never reported. It could be conjecture on my part, but that's kind of what it feels like. But again, looks like the the DB coaching staff is going to get shaken up a little bit. Now, who do you go get? What I would do if, if I'm Matt LaFleur, rather than just do the boring thing and promote them within, what I would do is I would go to some of the best defenses in the league against the pass. You know what I mean? Look at look at the passing statistics defensively and go through their coaching staff. Okay, 
who is the gym down here? Let's interview every single player, right? Or every single player, every single coach within that defensive side of the ball that's underneath the defensive coordinator. And let's look to hire that's not a passing game coordinator. And let's look to hire them as our DB coach and our passing game coordinator. That might be a good move. Now, what will they do? They, they'll probably just be boring and hire from within the building. That'll be a new passing game coordinator. But I kind of feel like you bring in a fresh mind, especially someone who's sharp, to kind of liven it up a little bit, break up some of the monotony, because we all know the, that DB room took a step back next year. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But, indeed, according to this from Mike Garofolo and Matt Schneiman, they both seem very, very confident. It's pretty much all but a done deal with Jerry Gray leaving. So just wanted to mention that. All these things play a role in the decisions that's going to be made on personnel too, guys. You bring in a new passing game coordinator if you don't hire from within, right? If you don't promote from within, I should say, then maybe they've got a guy or two on the free agent market. They say, bring me that guy in, the same Rich Passaccia did with Keyshawn Nixon, Dallin Levitt, uh, Pat O'Donnell, all these guys, right? Dallin Levitt hasn't panned out that much, in my opinion. No, you know, no disrespect intended, um, but it kind of feels like his guy Pat O'Donnell and Keyshawn, Keyshawn Nixon really made a difference on special teams. You may be able to see that in cheap free agency if you bring in another passing game coordinator from another team. So just something to keep our eye on there for sure. Now let's move on to the next topic, which we're going to kind of get back around to Aaron Rodgers here a little bit. Some of you are going, all right, let's talk Aaron Rodgers. Some of you are going, oh, crap, let's don't talk Aaron Rodgers. we got to cover it, right? More former players have tweeted about the Aaron Rodgers situation with Romeo Dobbs um, being prodded by the media and him simply saying, I've never really hung out with Aaron outside of football other than a Halloween party. I don't even know why it's an issue, but it got brought up. Now a Hall of Famer is chiming in. That's Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson quote tweeted Brian Bulaga's tweet. Brian Bulaga's tweet said, yeah, this is ridiculous. I never, quote, hung out with 12 until my third or fourth year in the league. He came to O-line dinner with us regularly, I think, in my fifth year. This isn't college. Stop with this garbage. That's exactly what I was trying to say yesterday. I heard somebody else tweet the same thing I said on the podcast. I seen in the tweet, like, how many people actually hang out with all of their coworkers? Like, how often does that happen? Again, people's, you know, personal opinion, their opinions are formed off their personal experience, right? Their personal past experiences. For me, I look at that and go, this is this is nothing. As Aaron would say, a nothing burger, right? It's like, what in the world? Okay, anyway. So Charles Woodson quote tweeted Brian Belaga, another former teammate. We read off Lane Taylor. We read off several others. And he said, yeah, this is this ain't about nothing. I never hung out with A-Rod either. Oh, wait, I was the old guy, laughing emoji. So what he is saying is he never hung out with A-Rod, but he was the older veteran. So let's bring this full circle. Aaron Rodgers, as a young player on the team, was hosting Bible study at his house and was the life of the party and hung out with all the guys, right, when he was young and came into the league. Charles Woodson wasn't even hanging out with them because he was the old guy and he was disconnected, right? So when people say these things like, oh, the age doesn't matter and this and that, you know, that's your opinion. I respect it. But here's another guy pointing out from the other side of the fence. Hey, look, I was the old guy and I wasn't hanging out with those young dudes. I think Charles Woodson did okay for the Packers, right? Played a pretty big role in bringing that Super Bowl, that that Lombardi back to Green Bay, you know? First ballot Hall of Famer, kind of a big defensive MVP, you know what I mean? Heisman winner, all those things. Like, come on, <laughs> let's put it into perspective. He's now chiming in saying, guys, this ain't about nothing. So I just wanted to point that out because some people were saying – and this is the main reason I want to point it out. Some people came back yesterday going, well, these are all his friends. Of course, they're going to defend him. You know, find somebody that, that you know, might not have liked him on the team. Do y'all remember when Charles Woodson spoke out against Aaron earlier this season when he said he didn't like his antics? He didn't like how he was approaching, you know, yelling at other players on the field and stuff. Charles Woodson has been very critical of Aaron Rodgers. So this isn't just like one of his buddy buddies. When he came in, to the Green Bay Packers organization. Aaron Rodgers called him Chuck. You can find the video of it. I think it was on America's America's Game, I believe, is the, the 2010 America's Game episode about the Green Bay Packers winning the Super Bowl. He talked about when he was younger and Charles Woodson was signed, he called him Chuck. And he said, don't you ever call me that again. Aaron was like, oh, crap. Like He was scared of Charles Woodson. Like, man, so it ain't like they were buddy, 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 right? But he's just pointing out that, come on, guys, this is silly. 
it's a non-story. So I think we could finally put that to bed. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. For sure. I just wanted to hit on a couple more things because, like I said, there was people that were saying, oh, yeah, of course his friends are going to say that. Here you got people that have openly criticized him this year for other things, and they're even defending him going, guys, this is nothing. This is just a young rookie receiver getting prodded by the media. Now, let's move on to the next thing. We woke up this morning to a flurry of tweets, and once again, I read a tweet and I go, man, something must have happened. We must be a step closer to an Aaron Rodgers trade. Right. Um, this tweet came out from Dov. I hope I'm saying this name right. D-O-V Kleiman or Kleeman. K-L-E-I-M-A-N. It's at NFL underscore Don Dov Cleveman. And he said the Packers prefer in quotations to move on from Aaron Rodgers. League sources tell Adam Schefter. Aaron Rodgers is aware of the Packers feeling about wanting to trade him, according to the sources. I'm going to read it again. The Packers prefer, and he puts in quotations, prefer, like, hey, look, guys, they prefer to move on from him, right? That means if it was their decision, they want to move on from him. They don't. They think Jordan Love gives them a better chance to win. That's what he's saying here. The Packers prefer to move on from Aaron Rodgers' uh, league sources tell at Adam Schefter. So he's saying Adam Schefter confirmed this, that he has league sources. I don't know what league sources is. It didn't say team source. It said league sources, right? League sources tell Adam Schefter Aaron Rodgers is aware of the Packers' feeling about wanting to trade him, according to the sources. Okay, that sounds pretty set in stone, does it not? I read that and was like, "Oh man, we got to go see what Schefter said, right?" Because that's—I mean—that sounds like things are starting to really move into place. This may happen, right? So when we move on to Adam Schefter's tweet, here's what Schefter's tweet says: At the same exact hour the same timestamp in the same 60-minute window that that guy tweeted that out, Adam Schefter tweeted this. So it's got to be related to the same comments we're talking about, right? Adam Schefter, an off-season trade of Aaron Rodgers remains an option for the Green Bay Packers for a variety of reasons. And there's an article link. So again, the other guy said, sources close or sources tell Adam Schefter that the Packers prefer to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And then you go to the actual tweet and it says an off-season trade of Aaron Rodgers remains an option. Yes, the, the podcast didn't cut off. I'm just sitting here with my jaw on the floor. That's what you took away from that? You took it remains an option? Guys, I'm going into this thinking, okay, we're about to turn the page and move to Jordan Love. And if that's the case, I'm a Packer fan, baby. Let's get on the Jordan Love train if that's happening, right? And I wish no ill will on 12 if he goes to another team. You guys know where I stand. I think Aaron Rodgers gives us the best chance to win. I want to see him back in green and gold another year, right? But when I see this, it's like, okay, something's happening. And then that's all it was. An off-season trade of Aaron Rodgers remains an option. No crap. <laughs> Thanks for the breaking news. So I don't blame Schefter here. Schefter, this tweet seems pretty straightforward. It just remains an option. He's trying to get clicks on an article, and he, and he got one from us. Promise you that. <laughs> But the other guy made it sound as if it was, hold up, he's saying they actually want to move on from him. That's totally different reporting. And if he hadn't linked Schefter as his source, I'd be going, where did he hear that at, right? Where did that come from? I want to know. But it wasn't the case. So we're going to click on the link and just make sure there's not something buried in here that we didn't know about. A scenario that once seemed unthinkable, uh, a Rodgers trade 
could be driven by financial reasons, the state of the Packers franchise, and ultimately the feelings on both the team and the star quarterback. League sources believe the franchise prefers to move on from Rodgers. League sources believe the franchise prefers to move on from Rodgers. Think of those keywords. League sources, not team sources. League sources believe, not know, have been told, understand this is what they're wanting to do. The, oh, the team definitely wants to move on. None of that. League sources believe the franchise prefers to move on from Aaron Rodgers just as it did once did with Brett Favre. Those sources also believe that Rodgers is well aware of the Packers' feelings on the situation. Then it goes on to quote the Pat McAfee show. Rodgers said during an interview the past week, this past week, Pat McAfee uh, on the Pat McAfee show that he is, quote, open to all honest and direct conversations. It wouldn't offend me and wouldn't make me feel like a victim. Guys, the league sources don't exist. First of all, when you say sources, and this is what kills me about the media, when they say sources, it means someone that they don't want to reveal. They've got trust in us that we we can't reveal. Typically, they got team sources, which means they've got somebody embedded in the building that knows this as a fact. But if they if their name is dropped, they could get in trouble with the team, right? In some cases, it may be the team that does it, right? The team will actually say, put this filler out here for a trade opportunity, okay? Tell them you've got sources within the building, but don't mention it was me, the GM. Don't mention it was me, Mark Murphy. Don't mention it was me, Matt LaFleur, whoever the source may be, up or down the ladder, Russ Ball, whoever, right? And they put those fillers out there on purpose, okay? So why didn't it say team sources? Because it's league sources. So what league sources doesn't want their name attached to this? I'll give you a second to think about that. What league sources would have their reputation reputation tarnished, right? Because they believe someone in the building, the front office, the team, are open to trading. It doesn't make any sense. Now, let's talk about Adam Schefter for a minute. And this is what I always point out. If you understand how the insider game works, okay, first of all, anybody who understands how the insider game works, you've got to know that there's also fake information going out as well as real truths to some of this stuff. And you never say never. If you if you if you say never or you say it's a guarantee this is going to happen, you're going to get owned, you're going to be wrong, and nobody's going to trust your reporting. That's how we've got to this point with Adam Schefter. What do I mean by that? The way he put out the draft day story a couple years ago that Aaron Rod the Packers were looking to shop Aaron Rodgers and then later was cornered into admitting that no nothing changed this is the information we covered 2 months ago I just brung it back out on draft day and it's like oh okay so nothing new broke but why didn't you say that well i mean i don't have to say that of course you don't because that's going to mislead people into thinking something has changed and now you get clicks on articles like this that's how it works now why do i say that about Adam Schefter He's not been right on this scenario, guys. Any This situation with Aaron Rodgers being traded, he has whiffed on it a half a dozen times now. Okay, so it's not to say his inaccuracy, he's he's not trustable, like you, you, can't, you can't trust him with his quote-unquote sources, right? But what it tells me is he doesn't have that connection in the building. Who does have that connection? And this is why you've got to – this is how to understand the insider game and who to listen to, who you – who you can get the most factual information from. We do know that Ian Rappaport had the details, the early details to Aaron Rodgers' contract, although they went through and restructured it at the last second to, to remove the fourth year because Ian originally reported it was going to be a four-year extension and ended up being a three-year extension, right? So we know that he got the contract right, and then they changed it at the last second, modified the last second, and he had those numbers correct, okay? That tells me, first of all, you got to ask yourself, who did that information come from? Did the Packers leak that information? No. Nobody in the Packers organization wanted that out to Ian Rappaport. Ian Rappaport works for the National Football League. He's not a private, private investigative insider, okay? If he works for the National Football League, that means he's an employee of the National Football League. If he's an employee of the National Football League, it means he's an employee of all 32 teams. If you're an employee of all 32 teams, it means – you're going to tell, you're going to tote the company line. You're going to tell what the team wants you to tell. 
right? In conjunction with player representatives. So typically Ian Rappaport has connections, sources, real sources, not like Adam Schefter's sources, real sources within the Green Bay Packers building, but also within the player's agency, right? Now, let's talk about that a second. If the Packers definitely didn't want that information out, nothing positive comes out from them leaking that info out earlier. It doesn't. I'm sorry. There's no There's no way you can tell me that the Packers wanted that info to get out, right? They knew it would get out, but they didn't want to, hey, go break this news. We're, we're going to give him – here's the line I want you to tell him, Ian. I want you to tell everybody in the league, including every player on our roster, that we're giving Aaron Rodgers $50 million per year. It's a three-year deal, $150 million. We're giving $50 million per year, although we know – that's not actually what it was. That's an argument for another day. You're going to see that. It's amazing how people are still blown away at how different the numbers are if Aaron retires because of the optional aspect and the other stuff that people still don't know about the contract. John Coons talked about on his pod the other day, had several people. Nobody knows the exact details to the optional aspect of this contract. Nobody but David Dunn, Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers front office. So with that being said, Ian has a connection to who? The David Dunn's office. That information was leaked out from David Dunn. Okay? Period. Case closed. That's where that information came from. Ian Rappaport has closest sources, closer sources to that situation than anyone. Why isn't he reporting this? Because, first of all, if you looked at how it's worded, right? Adam Schefter is not the insider for the NFL. He's the insider for ESPN. Now, they've got a partnership with the NFL, absolutely. Ian Rappaport is a direct employee of the National Football League. Okay? So, that's how I look at that. That's what I mean by you've got to know where to fall. Ian Rappaport has been spot on with all this reporting throughout this whole process. They had a little tongue-in-cheek argument back and forth saying that his numbers were right, and then Pat McAfee was saying, well, my sources say it's wrong. And he was technically right there. But what's funny about the tongue-in-cheek is Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers knows he got his information from David Dunn because they want to inflate the numbers to reset the market, to help the union, to help the next quarterback who's going to get a contract. And then on the flip side, um, Pat McAfee wants to make sure people are aware that, hey, look, there's a lot of fodder here with this contract, which any NFL fan who's followed the league for a multitude of years knows now that they're going to report the high-guaranteed money rather than the true implications of the contract. What do I mean by that? If he's traded, guys, it wasn't a $150 million deal. It wasn't. Now I hear people go, well, no, it's actually $99 million guaranteed. Okay, gotcha. So we're down to that now. Then I heard somebody else say, no, it was actually $59.6 million because that's what his salary is going to be. That, and it's going, oh, my God. So what we've come full circle to is no one knew the true details of the contract. It's that simple. I didn't know it, and I screamed it at the top of the hills. And anybody who tried to dunk on me on Twitter, the cap gurus, I would always follow it up with, are you 100% sure on that? And they would never answer that question because they knew in the back of their mind, I don't fully understand this contract either, but I've got all these thousands of likes that are in here making fun of people who say the salary cap is fake. I've got to appease them. I can't back up now, right? That's why it's important to screenshot tweets. And just next time they get cocky and try to say that they understand something more than someone else or say, um, I do this for a living, we are not the same, then you just slap that screenshot and go, okay, wasn't this you? You know, like the same guy that tells people to play in traffic. But, you know, I guess it's okay to joke about, you know, it's okay to joke about suicide, right? But it's not okay for – uh, John Coon to call someone a drama queen because that's insensitive. Get away from me, dude. Don't you grow set? So anyway, that's where we're at on the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Okay. All I all I'm saying, this listen, guys, he may get traded. I've said it all along. He may get traded. Never say never, but never, right? <laughs> like anything can happen. Aaron Rodgers has said, look, if the organization wants to go in a different direction and I want to play football then I'm open to you know whatever we need to do to a reasonable destination. But if I want to play football and they want to have me back, I'll play right here in Green Bay. I want to retire a Packer. Just love the fact that Aaron Rodgers and the team are on the same page. Whatever the decision is, they're going to part ways much like Peyton Manning did with Indianapolis. 
That's that's how I see that happening. There was no hard feelings. You talk to Peyton, it's like, hey, look, man, I was coming off neck surgery. They had a stud at quarterback that they were, you know, I can't remember. Yeah, they hadn't drafted him yet. They were going to take Andrew Luck. They had a guy that they knew was a generational talent, and he proved to be that. It's just part ways, and there's no hard feelings. But all I'm telling Packer fans, don't forget how the story ended with Peyton Manning. He went to Denver. And we and they Indianapolis fans, you ask them about it. They had to watch him hold up that trophy like, man, if we would have built the team around him the way that Denver had that team built with defense, we would have had another Lombardi, right? Tom Brady, when he left New England, we're going to find out if it's Belichick or Tom Brady. I personally believe it was both, but what happened? Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay. Why did he go to Tampa Bay? because they put a multitude of weapons around them. They brought in Gronk. They already had two number one receivers, brought in a solid running back, had a great offensive line. It was prime for a run. What did he do? Hoisted that Lombardi trophy. So for the people that want to run him out, hey, look, I'm not going to tell you how to fan, but just know <laughs> if we have to watch him hold up that Lombardi somewhere else, now you can't run from the fact that maybe they didn't give him everything, right? I'm going to be a Packer fan through and through. And I want Jordan Love to be the next Hall of Fame quarterback if we do decide to move on from him. But you've, if you see it, you got to say it. You got to report what's factual. You got to report what's actuality, not, uh, you know, uh, believe, quote unquote, believe, you know. And I just wanted to point out there's a lot of that trade talk flying around today. And when I first read it, I was like, oh, something happened. Looks like we're going to trade him. And then when I dug into the original source, it's like, hold up. This is another nothing story, but we're going to find out soon enough. Why do I mention that? Because last year, here's the date I want y'all to circle. Circle February 15th. Right around February 15th is when things, if they haven't already started to happen as far as re-signing players and restructuring deals, you're going to start to get hints around mid-February, mid to late February. That's when we restructured Kenny Clark's contract last year. Okay, so that's when the dominoes started to fall into place. Okay, they're doing this, they're doing that. All right, they're freeing up money here. Bam, we resigned Russell Douglas. Uh, I think it was, you know, two weeks later, if I remember correctly, Devontae Campbell got his extension. All these players start getting re-signed, right, because of the restructure starting to take place. The first step is going to be restructures within the building. We may start to see restructures before we get an official answer from Aaron Rodgers. And if that starts to take place, what does that mean? If that starts to take place – then you're probably going to be able to read the tea leaves and go, okay, why did they restructure him? They freed up money now. Okay, they restructured him, but they freed up money later. Got it. Okay, if, if you see stuff to start start to fall in place and decisions being made that, that show money's being freed up now, Aaron's probably returning. If you see money start to get freed up later, there might be a real chance that he gets traded or he's going to retire. So just keep, an eye, keep in mind and keep an eye on – mid-February. I just wanted to point that out. I think it's very, very important to kind of stay aware of that stuff. Now, let's do this. We're uh, we're going to have an early show today. We're going to keep it under an hour. I'm committed to it. I have one more thing I want to share with you. This also came from Packers.com and their YouTube page. You can watch it for free. It's out there. Um, this is from Packers Daily, and it was titled, It Means More to Us. Let's take a walk down memory lane for that 96 Super Bowl championship that the Packers brung home. Um, and, you know, obviously it means more to us referring to Mike Holmgren's famous quote at the end in the uh, in the postgame celebration where he said, as much as this means to every other team in the league, meaning the Lombardi Award, it means more to us because it's got our coach's name on it. So uh, let's check this out. Let's go. Let's go back down memory lane. Then we'll wrap this big bear up. This is what it's all about. Being a champion, getting a ring and know that you will be the champion of Super Bowl 31 the rest of your life and can never take it away from you. The Packers put on a show 26 years ago today in a matchup against the Patriots. With it all on the line, both teams were able to find the end zone early. He's throwing it downfield. He's got him. Wide open. Raisin takes it across the goal line. A play action fake by Bledsoe. Now flips it into the end zone. Touchdown. It looked like the Packers going to blow him off the field, but they got a couple of breaks. Now it's a football game. After falling behind in the first quarter, Green Bay rallied back with 25 points and gave up just a single touchdown in the final three quarters, a dominant performance by the defense. It is picked off by Mike Pryor, and he does throw it up the sideline. Oh, oh intercepted! The Minister of Defense got in on the action with three sacks, two coming on consecutive plays. Oh. Randy got him! Daddy-o, 
Rose at the 22-yard line. Here's Drew, straight back in the pocket. Here they come again. Reggie got him again. Back at the 15-yard line. He jumped over him. He beat him inside. That time he beat him outside. That guy is shell-shocked. A great series by Reggie White. While both sides of the ball were doing their part to bring the Lombardi home, John Madden said it best. And you talk about offense and you talk about defense, but it can be special teams that can win big games too. Desmond Howard has to back up. Can't get the run from the goal line to the 5, to the 10, to the 15. Through a hold of the 20. He may be gone. Midfield to the 40. Touchdown for Desmond Howard. I'm speechless. Look wow. at this celebration. Three. Two, Run. one, world champion, Green Bay Packers. Man, it doesn't get any better than that. And I think it's so fitting that we play that because it's real simple. You know, all three phases of the game are crucial, guys. Offense, defense, special teams. In the past, we've been very offense heavy and we didn't have the defense in place. The one year that we did win the Super Bowl in 2010, what happened? You had a young offense evolving and really coming into their own, but the defense kind of carried the load. You battled through injuries, right? Special teams weren't horrible. Special teams weren't a liability that year. The defense was stout, and the offense did enough to get it done, right, with a young quarterback. Um, with the 96 Packers, solid defense. Might be – I don't want to say the best defense in Packers history, but it's definitely top three, right? So Lombardi had some awesome defenses, but – they came in, led the way with defense, and what did you have? Special teams. You had Desmond Howard. Since they let Desmond Howard walk, we have never had a kick-slash-punt returner as effective as Desmond Howard. Now we've got one in Keyshawn Nixon. We've got to get him re-signed. If Rich Basaccia signs in Indianapolis, we can still re-sign Keyshawn Nixon. But what it means is you're going to have to overpay for him. You're going to have to make it worth his while. And those are the things you got to do when you're the Green Bay Packers, right? Um, it's top priority. We got to get Key back in the building. I I am perfectly comfortable with two years from now going. We overpaid for him, and it was a flash in the pan. But the numbers are so historical that it's worth the gamble, right? We've got to get him back in the building. And again, it's a long shot that Rich Pasaccia gets that job. I still feel like that. But a second interview is very, very serious. It really is. So just want to walk down memory lane and the parallel that's drawn, that's how important a special teams uh, unit is. And more importantly, a kick returner, punt returner. Desmond Howard made all the difference in the world, right? I think he got Super Bowl MVP, if I remember correctly. Um, and on top of that, a solid stout defense. So our defense isn't where we want it to be. Our offense is extremely young. You know, I pointed out we had the the 25th rank uh, as far as money spent on the wide receiver room. And then on top of that, we led the league in drops at the wide receiver position. Um, we got to build up there. There's a lot of holes to fill, right? But everything starts with Aaron Rodgers. Is he coming back or not? That's going to determine how we structure this, this uh, thing. And there's a lot to look forward to. I think a healthy Aaron Rodgers can still play at an MVP level, right? Now you add in the fact that if you bring back Keyshawn Nixon, your special teams are buttoned up with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. Now your wide receivers are one year into the program. Christian Watson's going to get better. Romeo Dobbs is going to get better. You add another receiver to the mix, whether it's a solid number two or a number one. Um, the point I want to make about Alan Lazard, if he goes out and he doesn't get the money he wants a free agency and you can re-sign him for what we had him last year or less, right, off that tender, um, that tender level, I know you can't tender him this year, then he could be one of the best number three receivers in the entire National Football League. That's the point I'm making. Now, some would say, well, he's going to be forced into a starter role. I get you, and that would suck because you would want Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, and whoever else you brung in to kind of you know, fill that role. But as it sits right now, you've got Watson, Dobbs, and Samori Torre on the roster. Who are you going to bring back, right? That's um, what it comes into play. But, again, it all starts and uh, finishes with Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, I think we've got one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the league without a broken thumb, right? If he doesn't come back, you're freeing up cap and you move forward with Jordan Love, which to me it seems like the team thinks he's the quarterback of the future. He can be a starting caliber, a good starting caliber quarterback, maybe even a top 10 one. How awesome would that be to step into the next era, right, with a top five quarterback and he's young? That would be – that would be – could you imagine Chicago Bears and Minnesota Vikings fans' heads exploding in frustration that we go from one Hall of Fame quarterback to another Hall of Fame quarterback to another top 10 quarterback? It'd be great. We just don't know that for sure yet. 
I think the front office knows whether that is, and we're going to find out real soon. All these dominoes are going to start to fall in place, right? If Aaron Rodgers retires or is traded, you may see that $20 million um, fifth-year option exercised by May. I think it's May 3rd. Keep an eye on that date. If not, you may go ahead and re-sign Jordan Love to an extension. I hope they do that. That's going to give you more flexibility within the cap. And if they think he's the guy, I think that's the route they'll go rather than hit him with the fifth-year option. But only time will tell. So that's pretty much it, gang. I'm going to wrap it up there. I do want to mention that tomorrow night we got something really, really cool going on. You guys know sometimes when we when we record a podcast, we'll do it the night before, release it the next day. Obviously, this pod's going out on Sunday as soon as I finish it up. We're already, already late on getting it released. I apologize for that. Has some family stuff to take care of, but you guys will have this drop later this afternoon, so you'll have it ready for Monday, um, the Monday workday. Now, tom- uh, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern time, I'm going live on YouTube and Twitter with two of my favorite Packer follows in the entire Twitter world here um, and content creators. We got Rob Westerman from GBP Daily, Green Bay Packers Daily, right? You guys can follow him at GBP Daily. He's got 68,000 followers. Trust me, he doesn't need this plug. This dude is amazing at what he does. He's got his own YouTube channel and, and does that stuff. He's coming on the show, and we are excited to talk off Packers offseason uh, with him. But also, we're throwing in the mix one of my favorite podcasters, Matt Ramich. So tomorrow, you're going to get the clean-cut Mr. Professional Rob Westerman from GBP Daily, Green Bay Packers Daily. You're going to get the redneck fanalist from Tennessee, Clayton, right? Boo. And then you're going to have the always awesome, bringing the energy, bringing the fun, bringing the jokes, Mr. Rat- Matt Ramage. And, guys, we're going to talk off season, but there's going to be a lot of laughs, and we're going to have a blast. Now, that's going to be live on Twitter and YouTube, so you can watch that evening, tomorrow evening, Monday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern time, um, 6 p.m. Central. But also, that's going to be our Tuesday show for the podcast. So if you're hearing my voice, you just listen to the podcast, you don't follow YouTube or Twitter, uh, that'll be the show, and we're going to get their takes. I'm going to try to keep my mouth shut and hear what they got to say. Matt Ramage is going to bring the pop as far as um, you know, laughter, and uh, and Rob's going to probably keep us on track and talk about things that actually matter. I'm really excited about it. So with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Thank you all for making us a part of your Sunday afternoon slash Monday workday. Really appreciate your time. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, and go Pack Go. On the fake. Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career for Christian Watson. You can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.